This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, June 1st, and today we'll be looking ahead to the NBA Finals, which get underway on Thursday. We'll also hit some recent news in the fantasy impact, including the latest on Tyler Hero's role in Miami. But first, we begin this episode with a special guest, Bulls Insider. For NBC Sports Chicago, Casey Johnson is here. Casey, thanks for being here. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me, Matt. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I want. I was curious, how how is your offseason so far? I mean, it doesn't feel like you're set up for the quietest offseason here, given some of the roster situations, which we will talk about. Have you gotten to decompress at all? Yeah, as, as a veteran beat writer, I've learned the rhythms. And uh, when yeah. your team is uh, in the playoffs and then out of the playoffs, but then you have a busy uh, transactional upcoming season, you try to detox a little bit in this period and obviously still following the playoffs uh, because they've been so intriguing. But uh, other than the combine, which I did cover because it's obviously here local in Chicago, uh, have not had to do much heavy lifting lately, so that's been that's been a nice little break. Nice. Well, we appreciate you uh, taking the time during your your so called detox period here. Um, let's start. I want to start with the biggest name at the center of really the most speculation for this Bulls team, Zach Levine. As we know, is an unrestricted free agent. What's your sense of how likely or unlikely it is that he leaves the Bulls? Um. I mean, he's made it clear he's going to go through the process, right? I mean, if you're asking me for a prediction, I guess we'll start uh, getting that yeah. off the top and then I'll elaborate. I do think he's going to be back, but he's okay. made it clear he's going to go through the process. And uh, there's certainly quite a bit of chatter out there, uh, some of which I reported on yeah, that I heard while at the Combine from other execs and agents, et cetera, that there's a perception that he's he's somewhat gettable. Uh, I can also report that the Bulls are fairly confident they're going to be able to resign him. We all know that contractually they're, they they are able to pay him the most money, um, mm-hmm. not only because of the extra fifth year, but also the higher annual uh, raises. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, if you look at the teams that project to have max cap space, um, they do not seem to be the most appealing teams to me, but I'm I'm not Zach Levine, so uh, right. we'll see we'll see how that plays out. Right, and I mean, is there a you know a galaxy where a team, let's just say hypothetically, there are a couple of Hawks jerseys hanging behind me, a team like the Hawks would pull off a sign and trade? I mean, is it, that's certainly within the realm of possibilities? Where if Zach Levine decides he wants out. Yeah, I mean, that was one name that was in my report. I, that was certainly a name that I had heard uh, linked to him uh, in, in conversations I had with people to combine. The Mavericks would be another one. And both of those teams would be situations where you would need a sign-in trade because just with um, you know their cap situations, they're not able to offer him a max contract. And Zach, that's one thing he's made pretty clear is that he obviously the max contract mm-hmm. is important to him. It's as much of a respect thing as a, as a money thing. Those that don't know, when he was a free agent four years ago, he was a restricted free agent, and the Bulls made him go out and get an offer sheet from the Kings. And there were a lot of people speculating that that was an overpay at the time, and he clearly 
outperform that contract. And Zach doesn't forget things like that. So, okay. um, you know, the one thing I would say about a sign and trade that makes it a little complicated is with his salary jumping to where it is, he's, he's going to be a base year compensation guy. And that's a, a collective bargaining agreement uh, technicality that for those that don't know, makes it more difficult to do a sign and trade, but it, it is doable. And that's usually where you see three team deals uh, transpire as well. Got it. Okay. He also recently underwent arthroscopic knee surgery. And I think we all saw, you know, just watching from afar, it seemed like he was slowed by that knee issue, you know, second half of the season after being phenomenal in the first half. Is the feeling that he should be 100% at the start of the season? What have you heard about that? Yeah. I mean, he's already posting pictures on his Instagram of him playing golf with uh, the actor Don Cheadle, Cheadle, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. How to, I'm not a movie guy. So <laughs> I think it's Cheadle. Yeah. So I, I think his rehab's going okay. Uh, okay. From what, everything that I was told, it was a uh, pretty run of the mill scope. I mean, you always say the minor surgery is the one that doesn't happen to you. It happens to someone else. Right. right. Uh, but but I, I was told it was a pretty run of the mill scope, went in there, just cleaned it up. Uh, what his camp and the Bulls kept hanging their hat on was uh, when he underwent MRIs throughout the season, there was nothing structurally wrong with the knee. If, for those that don't know, he tore that ACL in February 2017. But structurally, there's nothing wrong with it. He just need a, he just need a little maintenance tune up there and should be good to go. Zach Levine clearly stressed out by this free agency. He's out there on the golf course with Don Cheadle. As this seems very tense. <laughs> exactly. He, he's he's living his best life, man. He's the one who's got a, a max contract coming his way. We're the ones, yeah. you know, trying to figure out where he's going. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, so uh, optimism around that knee, but I got to ask you about another injury and knee situation. That's Lonzo Ball. He was so good for the Bulls and seemed like such a great fit before his season really abruptly ended in mid-January due to what ended up being a torn meniscus. I remember it seemed to escalate so fast from, well, he's out with a sore knee to he's having surgery. And the reports, based on what I've seen on his status, have not been encouraging, Casey. So what can you tell us about Lonzo's recovery? Well, it's just been a puzzling situation because by all accounts, the, the meniscus uh, scope was successful. It's the second time he's had that um, scope uh, repaired. That, that meniscus repaired uh, via scope. But what's the, been the puzzling aspect to it is that he had a bone bruise, which uh, predated the surgery and then lingered. Uh, when the surgery happened, which was January 27th, the bull said he would be back in six to eight weeks. And as far, far as, as from the surgical meniscus uh, standpoint, he probably could have returned, but the bone bruise just never went away. So every time he tried to ramp up his conditioning or his rehab, he would experience pain from the bone bruise that predated the surgery. And that's still been lingering and mystifying. Now, I, I am told that, that this offseason has been good for him, that, he, that he's okay. getting some rest and recovery. Um, I have not heard of any news uh, in, in my attempts to report the situation of another procedure needing to be done. I wouldn't say to rule that out because it's not been definitive, but that I have not, nothing's crossed my sphere regarding that. So, uh, it's just rest treatment, and you know, I would think that given training camp is over four months away, that he's going to be good to go next season. Okay, well, that's good to hear because it it feels a little bit like, you know, with all the uncertainty, it feels a little bit ominous. And and it was really fun to watch Lonzo Ball, you know, fit in with the Bulls right away. Um, a little bit under the radar, maybe, is the fact that Nikola Vucevic is headed into the final year of his contract this upcoming season. Do you think the Bulls? with quite a bit on their plate, will end up extending him sooner rather than later. What's the outlook there? I mean, he's actually got two years left. Oh, does he? He's extension eligible this year. Um, okay, okay. 
My bad there. No, 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 no. You're right. My bad. Holy cow. You can tell it's my offseason, man. Yeah, so he is expiring. <laughs> He's extension eligible. And what I would say to that is, you know, we asked Arturis uh, Karnaschovas, um, the executive VP of the Bulls, about that situation in the exit interview meetings. And uh-huh. he obviously wouldn't give us a definitive answer. But this is a guy that the Bulls went out and paid an incredibly large price for at the trade sure. deadline in, in 2021. You know, I'm not sure he's up for an extension in terms of the same salary range, but you'd like to think that, you know, given how much the Bulls paid for him, that they have plans to keep him long term. So whether that happens this offseason, which I would guess is less likely or moving into next season when he's an unrestricted free agent, I know he's happy here in Chicago. So we'll see how that plays out. So, Casey, this is, I guess, first and foremost, a fantasy basketball podcast, even though broadly it's an NBA podcast but i just want to get your perspective on a couple breakout candidates for this team and i, and I want to ask you first about patrick williams the number four overall pick from 2020 really showed some flashes down the stretch he had that 35 point game when i think everyone was resting but still it's a 35 point game a couple of 20 plus point games in the playoffs so do you see him as a as a bona fide potential breakout guy heading to his third year and like how high do you think his ceiling could be potentially well, the Bulls see him as a breakout guy because they obviously use such a high draft pick on him, and they've been pointing to him as kind of being the the area where they can most see improvement because of the you know, internal improvement because they don't have a lot of cap flexibility, especially if they're able to retain mm-hmm. Levine. Um, he's an intriguing guy because physically you look at him and he's got all the tools, right. such a two-way talent, big body, physical, strong but he does have some issues with passivity passivity. I mean, mm-hmm. he just seems like he has too many periods where he disappears and he talks about how he understands that and his teammates and coaches talk to him about it, but then he still has those. Now you do point out that he had some big games in the playoffs, which are good experience. And I give him credit because, you know, obviously you could look at last season and with the, the wrist surgery that he had, he missed so much time and you could say, oh, lost season. But then he came out and played at a pretty high level in the playoffs. And that's obviously huge experience for a young player. So you got to give him credit um, for his mindset to kind of stay with it. I probably um, am a little bit more skeptical than than some on him just because I, I see the physical tools, but then I uh-huh. see the issues of just disengagement at times or not taking the right shots, things like that. So we'll see how it plays out. But um, I personally know that the Bulls need him to play at a high level if they want to, you know, kind of get the next round of the core coming because their core right now is aging in terms of DeRozan and Vucevic. Mm-hmm. Levine's only 27, but they need that next wave of talent. And, and Williams represents that. Well, and kind of to the point of maybe, you know, uh, consistency or inconsistency, passivity that you talked about. Even in the playoffs, you know, he had the back-to-back 20 and 23-point games, but one game before that, he had one point on 0-for-9 shooting. So, yeah, still still kind of clicking into place for him, I guess. But he's a guy that people who play fantasy are certainly going to want to know about. Uh, we also saw Io Desunmu really have some great moments for the Bulls as a rookie, you know, especially when they were banged up in the backcourt. But let's say hypothetically they keep Zach Levine, and maybe that's not even hypothetical. Let's say Zach Levine's back, Lonzo Ball is back healthy. Is Desumu really ticketed for more of a reserve role and therefore lower minutes off the bench than what we saw for him a lot of his rookie year? Yeah, and quite frankly, that role probably best suits him or better suits him, I should say. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, he was pretty remarkable because 
you know, when he was drafted, a lot of people kind of thought he might be spending time in the G League. And then yeah. obviously because of all the injuries that the Bulls had and, and you know, situations opened up, he just forced his way into the rotation and never left. And then he was having to play a role that they, you know, certainly weren't expecting with the 77 games, 40 starts. Um, he played so well in those minutes, but the longer he played, the more tape got out on him. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, probably being asked, he got asked to be to, to, to do a little too much last season. So I, I think, you know, the fact if you get, if you hit on a rotational guy sec in the second round, that's yeah. found money. And, you know, with the way the bulls structured their roster with Levine and, and ball, assuming Levine is back, um, him slotting into a reserve role is better for him and for the bulls, quite frankly, but he's a tough minded kid. Uh, He's, you know, obviously a local product. Uh, Chicago knows him well. Just really unfazed by really any moment, and a worker. When you tell him he needs to to do something, he 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 takes that to heart and and applies that and tries to improve moving forward. Casey, just have one more question for you, and it's from my co-host Jared, who is waiting patiently in the green room. He wants to know how did you get, how did you get your start? You've been covering the Bulls for a while. Uh, can you tell us how you got your start as a beat writer? Yeah, if people aren't going to be too bored by this, no, hit us with it. Hit us with it. I, I am old. Uh, I, I work for NBC Sports Chicago now and have for, for three years, but I, I spent 29 years at the Chicago Tribune. Uh, for those that aren't familiar, that's a thing called a newspaper. Uh, okay, let me hang on. Let me, we've been Googling a little bit. Let me check. Let me just check what that is. <laughs> hang on yeah, second. and so I, I started the Tribune in uh, 1990. Uh, I don't know if Jared was alive then. But, uh, I was uh, here. I want okay. you to know I was here. I'm All here right, to tell it. you. Uh, and for uh, six years, I did, you know, what young reporters did back then, take every bad assignment coming your way, including all the high school sports you can cover, et cetera, et cetera. And then in 96, this little thing called the Internet came along. This is how old I am. And uh, the Bulls were so big back then that my sports editor said, hey, we got one writer to cover the Bulls for the newspaper product. Why don't you go cover the Bulls for this thing called the Internet? Okay, so okay. Uh, there you go. There's my uh, interesting story to show how old I am. I got to cover the uh, second three-peat for the fledgling www.chicagotribune.com website. And it was uh, obviously an incredible experience. Nice timing on your part. Internet internet and Bulls dynasty converging. Well, well played. <laughs> It's all, all in the coverage. <laughs> well, you can follow him on Twitter at KCJ Hoop. Follow his Bulls coverage at NBC Sports Chicago and listen to him on the Bulls Talk podcast. Anything I left out, Casey? Anything else you want to mention that people should check out before we go? Well, I'm going to go brush up on the Bulls books because I feel uh, very, very, very bad that I blew Vucevic's uh, contract. I'm in my offseason mode. Other than that, uh, Thank you for having me. All good. Absolutely. I mean, you had me convinced that I was 100% wrong. So we could have just lived in that world. I, I appreciate you graciously, <laughs> graciously saying that. I, we could have we could have lived there. That's, that's I was sure. I was like, oh, well, I blew it. But thanks, Casey. This was awesome. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks for uh, shedding some light on this Bulls offseason. All right. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, have a good one. All right. Uh, more to come in just a second. Uh, Jared Johnson and Raphael Johnson will be here. And we're going to take a look ahead to the NBA Finals. First, we're going to take a very quick break. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, 
and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in the NBA playoffs on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. Now, as promised, Raf and Jared are here. Guys, you've been hanging out in the green room. Any quick reactions to uh, to Casey's comments? Raph, we'll start with you. I think the Lonzo Ball situation is what jumped out to me. It was a guy who was a top 25 player in fantasy when he was healthy. But the questions about his knee that seem to be lingering based on what Casey said, that's a big concern. Like, I don't know if anyone would draft him that high um, just because of the presence of Levine, assuming he returns, and DeRozan and Vucevic. But he was a high-value player in terms of assists and defensive stats. So if he's limited or, or can't play to start the season, I think that's something that could be really impactful in terms of middle rounds of drafts this, this coming fall. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Jared, I want to get your reactions. First of all, how did we do with the, the answer to your question? I think was pretty good. That was a nice little origin story there. Are you happy with it? Yes. I, first off, thank you, Casey. Uh, he's an incredible legend. I can't count the amount of times I've cited him in our blurbs. Uh, just I'm overcome with excitement to have him come on our podcast. I think it's amazing. And I just think that beat reporters do not get enough credit. Honestly, like their job is incredibly hard. They're traveling around with mm-hmm. the team, writing these stories on deadline. I just have so much respect for them. Uh, but anyways, on to Lonzo Ball. I did think that was an interesting tidbit. And um, he was actually a guy, I think that we were kind of debating. I was saying, Jaw, you were saying Lonzo in the fourth last year. I wouldn't take him in the fourth or the fifth. I don't think this year with all the injury issues he's had throughout his career. It's definitely worrisome. I think I could get encouraged pretty quickly. I mean, kind of like Casey said, we have a long way to go until training camp. And I think things could trend up pretty quickly through the lens of early June, though. I mean... I think we're all exercising a little bit of caution, that's for sure, when it comes to Lonzo. Raph, what were your thoughts on the Patrick Williams situation? Are you high on him going into next year, and did anything that Casey said change? No, not really. I think he's most likely going to be – I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I think that may be part of the Lonzo Ball question as well. 
um, because I don't know, man. It, I just don't have much faith in him. I know we've seen some flashes, you know, during late in the season, like you cited, but an 82 game season, if I'm drafting someone, I don't think I would touch him until extremely late in the process. If at all, maybe just let someone else have that problem because he can get you defensive numbers, but I need something else there. And I don't feel like he's a home run swing type of player when we're talking later rounds of drafts. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how Casey kind of uh, mirrored my feelings of, of Pat Williams. Uh, Raphael, you've, you've followed him longer than I have. I know that you kind of watched his college game. And I think at one point you were kind of yeah. a little bit more optimistic. So I'm curious, like, where the switch happened. And, like, if you could talk a little bit about, like, his college well, game. We've seen Florida State do a really good job over the years in terms of developing those young wing talents. Like Scotty Barnes' season, Rookie of the Year. Patrick Williams, you know, before him, lottery pick. But the, the concern I have with, with Williams is the jump shot. Um, that really hasn't come on. Mm-hmm. Right. I know he had the injury, so he missed a lot of time there this season. So we'll see what happens when he has a full offseason, be healthy and just work on that. For all I know, we could clean that up and be a good catch-and-shoot guy playing off of guys like Levine and DeRozan. Mm-hmm. But I just wonder, even if that happens, how many shot opportunities is he going to get? Because when we talk about Levine and DeRozan, those are both tough shot takers and tough shot makers. So it's not a guarantee they're going to kick the ball out. It's not them being greedy or anything. It's just that those are the kind of shots they can take and make. That makes sense. And, you know, in watching, I referenced that 35-point game. I remember, you know, watching See, seeing that back this offseason and thinking, man, this, you know, this guy is is a more skilled player than I probably gave him credit for, you know, a guy who can, you know, has has pretty good handles, can get to the rim off the dribble. But it may be more of, a, you know, first, the consistency that Casey mentioned, but also the point you just made usage. I mean, ultimately, you know, he's going to need to be like a defensive stats guy to to maybe make a fantasy impact if he's got a low volume scoring role. And I'm not sure that he has shown consistently that he's going to be that guy. And can he improve his decision-making so he's allowed to stay on the court yeah. for enough time if he's not getting offensive opportunities to get those defensive stats? So it's a lot of question marks. Yeah. So I guess I was hoping for a little more optimism there, but I'll take the real. <laughs> I'll take the realism. We, we'll take, we'll take what, what we get. Any, any other thoughts on the Bulls before we move on, guys, to the NBA Finals? No, I think we're all just waiting for the Levine decision. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like, you know, it's trending toward him staying, but who knows what he's thinking about while he's out there on the golf course with Don Cheadle. The NBA finals, of course, start Thursday, tomorrow in San Francisco. According to points bet, the Warriors are three and a half point favorites in game one. Wow. Uh, open-ended, open-ended. Uh, Jared, what are you watching for in game one, aside from the obvious, which is your Warriors loyalty? Can you wait? Is it for the series? Are they favored too, or just that game? Uh, I would have to double check that, but I can attempt. Okay, I'll just I can talk to you. Do that. That. Uh, I'd say the thing that I'm looking for, they're favored in the series. Look, I think that this is going to be one of Golden State's most difficult championships, if not one of the most difficult championships they've had to do. You know, in 2015, they went up against just LeBron. Kyrie and Love were hurt. They lost the following year, and then they got KD. And for those two years, it was kind of just, it was over. It was over from the beginning. So this year, against this young, this this Celtics team gives me 2015 Warriors vibes. Like, they're too young to know to be afraid. 
-hmm. of this championship contending Warriors team. Matchup-wise, what I'm looking for the most, I want to know if Robert Williams is able to play on on two legs, not just one. Mm -hmm. Um, He was really invisible for the last two games of the previous series. He had three rebounds across about 30 minutes. That is the biggest key, in my opinion, here is because that the Celtics really do match up with the Warriors at every position. The position where the Warriors do not really match up well with the Celtics is at that five spot. So if we have a bouncy Robert Williams who's able to battle for the boards down there, that's going to be a problem. I mean, I love Kevon Looney. He's a great player. He, he's not as athletic as Robert Williams. And then also Al Horford. It's just a matchup nightmare. Where, who, which, what, which guy is Draymond going to pick up, right? So um, I would take the dubs for the series, of course, but I am I'm nervous. This Celtics team is hungry. They're gritty. They're long. It's going to be a problem. Yeah, I think that the way that these two teams defend is going to be what I'm looking forward to seeing. You've got the top two teams in the league in terms of defensive rating. Warriors number one, Celtics number two. And what they seem to have in common is that they have so many guys who can switch within a possession and not have much of an issue um, defensively. You know, even Robert Williams, Kevon Looney, if they have to switch in a pick and roll situation, they're not necessarily, you know, food out there. So I think that's going to be what I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to. I don't know what the over-under is for game one, but I kind of wonder if with that and the feeling out process, 212 and a half. So they'll probably go over that, but I don't think it's going to be like a lot that they do it um, because you have a lot of good offensive weapons, but these teams are so good defensively, so athletic, so many switchable you know players on these teams that I think it's going to be a long series. And I think it's going to be a series where decision-making is obviously decision-making is always key, but I think it's going to be especially important when you have defensive teams this good, you get out there, take some bad shots. You could find yourself on the wrong end of a quick 8-10-0 run, and that could decide a game. Mm-hmm. I said that Robert Williams is, is a matchup problem, and he is, but I don't want to uh, get it twisted. I mean, Jason Tatum is the truth, and Jalen Brown is – that guy's a monster. And just like, you know, how we saw in the last series with the way that the Warriors kind of were able to erase Doncic, they would – at times, honestly, throw three bodies at him. You can't do that with this Celtics team. You're going to have to match up with these guys one-on-one. <sighs> and there, Tatum has an answer for almost every defense. It's going to be really hard to make it difficult on, on all these offensive players in Boston. So, Yeah, and by the way, going back to the point um, about the Warriors being favored, producer, producer Adam reminds us a 160 bet on the Warriors to win the series wins $100. A 100 bet on the Celtics to win the series wins via points bet. Right. Just in case you guys are interested. That's that's for you guys. We talked a little bit about Kevon Looney. Averaged 10.6 points, 10.6 rebounds, 3 assists, and 0.6 blocks in 5 games against the Mavs. Right before that, he had that 22-rebound game against Memphis. I mean... Rap, this seems like actually a guy who is gonna gonna be like a key player in this series after almost being an afterthought for the Warriors as recently as earlier in these playoffs. You know, like Jared said, they're gonna have to get something from him because you got Robert Williams, got Al Horford, did not get anything from Looney. I don't think he would decide the series, but it would come pretty close to that. So yeah, he's played well. Um, and the difference, obviously, we both we've all noted. Now the Warriors have to actually worry about the center position, whether it's Williams or Horford. 
they actually have to worry mm-hmm. about that. You know, Dallas really didn't have that type of guy. Um, Dwight Powell, as good of a role player as he's been for the Mavericks, he's not someone that you're really too concerned about. The series prior, Stephen Adams, not much of a factor offensively. You've got a guy that he sets screens, you can hit him in the lob game, and he finishes well above the rim. So I think Looney, I'm interested to see how they match up with those guys because I don't think you're going to want him standing out on a perimeter with Horford. But the athleticism difference between he and the Time Lord, I don't know. Like He's going to have to come up big in this series. Yeah, and then in the first round they had Jokic, but it, it wasn't really Jokic because, you know, you were allowed to throw so many bodies at him because that team was hurt. And Jokic is a completely different type of center than uh, Robert Williams. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of mismatches there. Yeah, and it's, it's just wild to me that we're, you know, almost two days from age 36, Al Horford is, is such a key component of this series. I mean, it's not like we thought the tank was necessarily empty with him. I mean, he, he certainly had his moments during the regular season, but the degree to which he's been an impact guy, I mean, in the playoffs, around 12 points per game, 9.6 boards, three and a half assists, 0.9 steals, 1.6 blocks, 1.9 threes. I mean, if you're getting that from Al Horford during the regular season, I mean, he's like an early round fantasy guy with those numbers. And it's just the guy, the guy just looks rejuvenated, which I mean, also makes sense because you do see veteran guys you know, flip the switch on in the postseason, but it's just been impressive. I mean, I think some of us thought Al Horford was declining like years ago, and uh, here he is looking very spry at age 36 almost. Big man hits big shots. Like, this guy is for real. And he's also the, I would say, in, a, in kind of a Draymond aspect, he is, he's the vocal leader of this team. He's the vet on that team. Uh, he's incredibly important to this team. So, that's another guy who's going to be a problem. I think that Draymond can make it difficult for him for sure. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that you, you just leave other things exposed when you put attention on other people. So, Well, yeah, and he's, what, option four for this team probably? So, I mean, you know, he's he's able to take advantage of advantageous situations. Both these teams, the, the depth really stands out to me. I mean, the Warriors being able yeah. to, to bring in Jordan Poole as an X factor and the Celtics, you know, being yeah. able to bring in a Derek White, you know, to be a difference maker. I mean, right. the, the depth is is envious on both yeah, sides. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, the Warriors do have some injury questions that I'm sure we'll touch on here in a little bit. But right. the number of options, especially on the perimeter and on the wings that these two teams have, it's going to make for an interesting series. And it's kind of like we're moving into the future of the NBA, so to speak, in terms of switchable wings. Guys who can you know defend multiple positions, it's always been like the target. You hear about that 3 and D wing. But you've got guys in this series who are capable of a lot more than that. You know, obviously, Jared mentioned Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jordan Poole's developing. You can't overlook Clay Thompson. You know, he still feels like at times he's still kind of searching to get his game back, to get back to where he was before the injuries. We've certainly seen flashes, you know, game six Clay in the Memphis series, uh, a prime example of that. He also played extremely well in game five of this Dallas series. But the number of, of switchable options is going to make for a really fun series. And let's talk a little bit about those injuries. It's looking like the Warriors could get back. Gary Payton, the second, Otto Porter, and one Andre Iguodala, Jared. I mean, I don't want to state the overstate the importance of Iguodala at age 38, but I mean, that that aggregate, those three, seems like could be a pretty significant boost for them. Wait, are you talking about the finals MVP? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes sorry uh yeah Ig is an important guy man uh 
he's just important for the team because you can say, hey, Iggy, fix this. And you put him in the game and he, he makes a lot of smart decisions out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how impactful this is as much as just how much the actual players are going to show up, how the role players are going to perform, blah, blah, blah. Raph, any thoughts on those three coming back, especially maybe Gary Payton, the second, who's been out ever since that Dylan Brooks fell? I think Gary Payton, second, is going to be the biggest one of the three just because of his defensive ability. He said a couple of days ago that he still isn't 100%. So that may rule him out for game one, but later in the series, especially if you're looking at a game three situation in Boston, that may be the point where they can work him back in there. And he, I think he's the type of guy they can throw him on Tatum or Brown. And we've seen Brown be a bit loose with the basketball and let GP2 kind of cause some trouble there. Even put him on a Marcus Smart. They want to take away the point of attack in terms of your point guard and put him there. So I think of the three, even though we saw some good signs from Otto Porter when he was healthy in the last series, I think Gary, Gary Payton II is going to be the biggest one of those three. Even with Andre's championship experience, it can't be ignored. I just, when I hear neck injury, that's kind of like foot injury for a big, and that really concerns me. So I think Gary Payton II is going to be the biggest mm-hmm. addition of those three in this series. It is pretty incredible that this man is coming back from a broken elbow. Uh, did not know you could do it that fast. Um, hopefully this is this is the Gary Payton, Gary Payton II we're going to see, and it's not going to be kind of like how Tyler Hero came back for a game for seven minutes. I mean, he did like I, I've never heard of someone coming back this this quickly from a fractured elbow. But yes, Gary Payton is a is a very important part of this team. Yeah, if he can if he can be healthy um, and actually defend like like he's capable of. And we're going to talk about Hero actually in a minute. But before we move on from this, Jared, I feel like we 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 got a hint of your prediction, and it's no surprise. I I'm gonna I want to get go around the room here. Raf, what's your prediction? For this series, who wins how many games? Uh, yeah. We're going on the record here. There's, there's no penalty if we're wrong. I found yeah. out. Neither of my left. finals picks are here, so <laughs> I've already screwed up in that regard. So um, I think I'm going to go with Boston in seven. I think this series goes goes a distance. And okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I can't tell you an exact deciding factor as to who wins, but I just think that Boston's going to have enough. To get a couple on the road, which you're obviously going to have to do in order to win this series, at least one. I think they can get two in in San Francisco. So I'm going with Celtics in seven. Celtics in seven for Raph. Jared, uh, what do you got? Hey, like I said, I'm terrified of this team. I've been terrified of this team watching them in the playoffs the whole time. And if you look at the odds, the odds makers aren't really giving anyone too much of a favor. It's like, yeah, the Warriors are favored, but barely. I don't think that Raphael... I hope that Raphael's wrong, but it wouldn't. This team is terrifying. I'll say Dubs in seven. Let's let's bring that trophy back home in the Bay. Dubs in seven. At the start of these playoffs, I thought the finals was going to be the Warriors and the Bucks. One for two isn't bad. I'm going to stick with the Warriors. Uh, Warriors in six for me. Warriors in six. I'm, I'm excited. I'm cautiously excited about this series. There have been. We've had some letdowns during these playoffs, man. No Celtics. Yeah. I know Celtics Heat went seven games, but within that series, we had some. We had to watch some real rough games, and I'm cautiously optimistic. I just want everyone to be healthy. That's it. <laughs> That's a start. That'll be a start. All right. One other piece of business before we go, guys. I want to get your thoughts on this. On Tuesday, sixth man of the year, the aforementioned Tyler Hero told reporters that he wants to be a starter next year. Now, Raf, 
you mentioned that you want to talk about this, so I want to get your thoughts off the bat on uh, this situation. And then, Jared, we'll hear from you. Uh, first and foremost, I have no problem with him saying that. Um, you know, that you think about the finances of it. When's the last time we've seen a six man receive like max money or close to it? I can't recall anyone. Mm-hmm. So, Maybe yeah, I don't even scary. think he got that kind of money. So, <laughs> you know, first and foremost, you look at it like that. Of course, he's going to want to start. But on the flip side, the reason why he isn't starting is the defensive end of the floor. Um, he's the guy that, that teams could easily yep. target when he was out there. So it's kind of like he's giving you 20 points, but he could be giving up that many as well. So Max Struess has proven to be, was proved to be a better fit for that first unit after they had Duncan Robinson in there for a while just because of what he'd give them defensively. So Tyler's offense is going to be there. The question for him is – are you going to defend at the level that the Miami Heat demand of their starters? And if not, in your Miami, do you consider making a move? Uh, is this going to be something that could potentially be problematic? Or you just kind of go with it and, and bet on Heat culture kind of winning out here? I mean, I think that he's been saying he wanted to start since he got to the league. I mean, this is a confident young man. And uh, it makes sense. But... Just like Raphael said, there's there's a reason why he's coming off the bench. And, and quite honestly, I, I, I thought that if he would have been able to accept that six-man role in Miami, that that's a great role for him. But maybe, like a lot of young guys in the league, he wants his taste of, of starting. And maybe, I don't know if that can happen in Miami. It's not. It's also, how, how does that ch- kind of change the offense? Because when he's in the second unit, he's kind of allowed to be a mm-hmm. bucket. But when he's in the first unit, he's going to have to be a lot more measured with his shot selection and and go lean heavier into the playmaking, which he did take a big leap in that area this yeah. year. If he can, so he needs to get that defense better. Maybe it can happen, but I don't know. It's funny. This is a case where fantasy and real life actually overlap because the Heat <laughs> want his defense to be better, and fantasy managers want his defense to be better too because. We're talking about a guy who averaged 20.7 points per game, five rebounds, four assists. That's the playmaking you talked about, Jared. 2.73s, pretty good percentages. The only real downside to his fantasy stat line is 0.7 steals and 0.1 blocks. And that's actually the combined steals and blocks actually down from the previous year, 0.6 and 0.3. So that's really the the area you need to make up for if you're drafting Tyler Hero, uh, whether he's starting or coming. Yeah, I agree right. with that. And then the other thing, you know, Jared brought up potential playmaking opportunities, Kyle Lowry, you know, the, his presence in the starting lineup, he really looked like a shell of himself in the playoffs until the last couple games of the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. So that's the other question. Like if you're going to start Hero and he needs the ball, he's going to have the ball in his hands a bit more. What happens with Kyle Lowry? Because he's never really been an off-ball guard. So I think that's another question. Right. You know, how much does he have left in the tank? I think he, He's got a couple of years left on his contract. So Miami's pretty much going to have Kyle Lowry in their system for the time being. So is there really room for Tyler Hero to move into the starting lineup next season? Right. I'm just looking at Jimmy Butler's contract. Have you guys looked at this? It's a Not is he approaching a player option this year. It's but it's like I'm looking on basketball reference. It's a player option for this year. And then there's what looks to be guaranteed money, the two following Wait. years with another player option. Does he have an opt out after this year? I feel like he just signed an extension because I have on a uh, hoops hype that he's under contract until 2025. Okay. Okay. I don't know why that is in as a player option. Raph, you're muted. 
I feel like you're saying something really important. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, Next season starts his new deal. Um, SpotTrack has him an estimate at just over 45.1 million. And by the third year, that deal can make a little over 52 million. By the way, just quickly on Hero, I mean, probably like the perfect world for him is in in real life is he comes off the bench when they're at full strength and when, you know, the Jimmy Butlers and Kyle Lowry's of the world are resting, which is or injured, which is basically inevitable at this point put here in the starting lineup and and let him just carry the load you know but he may not be buying that that's what we'll try to sell him. yeah i i don't think that's what he wants but i think that that's ideal yeah all right uh guys any uh any parting thoughts from either of you anything else you want to get in here before we uh take off for the day do we cover everything shout out to casey johnson the legend thank you for coming on our podcast i appreciate it that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun and, and some good insight there. Well, guys, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen. Take a moment to rate and review us as well. We appreciate that. I think it's Wednesday. Yes, it's Wednesday. So we're back on Friday and back to our regular schedule next week of Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. Thanks again to, as Jared said, Casey Johnson for joining the show. That was great. And Raph, Jared, thanks to you guys. Appreciate it as always. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Adios. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.